Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Angela Fisher of National Recalls in Los Angeles. Angela, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. What made you decide that there was a need for uh, recall services? You know, I used to work for a company that did something very similar um, about 10 years ago, and I saw what they were doing, and I I realized that it could be elaborated on a lot, and it was something that just kept popping up over and over again whenever I would, because we offer other services too, but the recalls and reactivations, the reason why that is so much in the forefront is because it's something that I would see over and over again that practices just really didn't ever have a system for. Like they w- it would always be something that they would know that they need to do and know was important, but it was never followed through with efficiently or thoroughly or in a way where they were confident that it was being taken care of. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, the first being that it's really hard to get staff to be motivated to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, a, an attractive job at all. Nobody really likes to do it. Nobody likes getting on the phone. It takes a certain type of personality. It takes a certain type of training. And so you might hire someone in-house to sit at the front desk and, you know, they'll do an excellent job being the greeter when the patients come in, but then you try to put them on the phone. It's a completely different job. Mm. So is the live call the, the, the standard, uh, especially in this era of sort of changing communications, is there a best practice? I mean, my opinion is, yes, the live call is the best practice, but it's not the standard, It's especially not in optometry. Uh, most of my clients and customers that come to me have only done texting and emailing and postcards up until that point for going back to what I was just saying for that reason. They may have tried it in the past. I've also had customers, um, you know, come to me and then leave and say, oh, we have a staff member that can do that. And then like clockwork, they'll come right back in three months and be like, okay, so Becky at the front desk didn't do it, (laughs) you know? Right, right. And and so uh, if a practice is going to do recalls on their own, with a, with a live caller, does it have to be a, a designated part of somebody's job? I mean, what what would be the the best setup to make recalls successful in house? It really does need to be a part of their job because otherwise it's the first thing that's going to go on the back burner. So it would work. It's not like my employees are you know it's not like you couldn't do it in-house. You could, but it needs to be in a way that it's, you're accountable for it and it actually gets done. So I, in my opinion, yes, it does need to be put into somebody's either work day or work week or work month. It just, it needs to be consistent and needs to be thorough because if they're not, let's say you have a database of, you know, let's say that the practice sees 300 patients a month, which is about an average size practice, but then you have, you know, Becky at the front desk only calling 20 patients in a month, well, then obviously you're going to get behind on your recalls. So it needs to be structured in a way that you don't fall behind. That's the main thing. So um, what makes a, a, a live call so successful? 
You know, with us, it's the live call is successful because we're calling older patients. Mm -hmm. And so not older in age, but older as in they've been in the practice. They haven't been in the practice in a while. And so when you send patients like that, a text message or an email, they're more inclined than a patient who's going to come back anyways to ignore it. So I always say there there is a place definitely in the practice for texting and emailing and postcards. Well, maybe not postcards anymore, but texting and emailing definitely is a really useful tool in the practice, especially for those patients that are going to come back in anyways. They just need a gentle nudge. Mm-hmm. But the live call is for the patients who completely fell out of the patient cycle. You know, they haven't been seen in at least a year and a half, maybe even two years. Those are the ones where you need to personally reach out to them and let them know, you know, Dr. Smith noticed you haven't been in in two years. Right. So that's that's an interesting distinction because um, I, I guess when we started talking, I was thinking that the, the live call was the strategy for, for all recalls. But you're really looking at a, a, a very targeted segment of a practice patient base. Right. And we are, yes. But we, just to clarify, we do call current recalls for some practices. Some doctors just want us to do that. But if a practice is at a crossroads where they're like, oh, I like the texting or patients are responding to it, I'm a fan of the texting too. I think it, like I said, there is a place for it in the practice. But we do do current recalls for some practices, but for the most part, it's for those reactivations. Right. And how important is a reactivation to a to a practice. Oh, it's I mean it's it's the lifeline of the practice if they're not calling they're just going to be continuously starting over and they're going to have to have a continuous inflow of new patients if they're not reactivating their old patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're never going to grow. How does your company identify them and how would that perhaps be different or how could a a practice identify them on their own to, to sort of see what the, what the, the scope is. So we'll normally go in and we'll pull a list based on date of last exam. Um, There's two different ways in most practice management software. There's two different ways that you can pull lists. You can either do it by the date that they were last in, or you can do it by recall date. But I don't like doing it by recall date because I feel like there's too much room for human error. In most practice, some of them automatically set it. Like I think Revolution automatically sets it and some of the newer ones might. But like Office Mate, for example, when a patient comes in, the staff has to go in and set the recall date for the following year. So if the staff is busy and doesn't do that, you're depending, there's just too much room for error. So we do it by date of last exam. And um, we'll normally start, you know, like if, if I was onboarding a practice right now, I would, I would start with the people who have a date of last exam of 2017 and were supposed to come in in 2018 and didn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, do people still answer their phones? They do. You know, I get that question all the time and people will get, you know, negative about it and be like, well, nobody answers their phone anymore. I don't answer my phone, you know, but they, they do. And if anything, about half of the people we call 
we leave messages for, but that's not because people don't answer their phone. It's just because they're like, it's not because people don't answer their phone at all. It's just because we're calling throughout the day and people are at work and they call back. That's a huge part of the return on investment that I show the doctors is it's not just the patients that we're scheduling on the spot, but it's also the patients calling back in from the voicemails. And then we also do a second and a third round of calls. And so by the time we're calling again, they start to recognize the phone number and they're like, oh yeah, I did forget to call them back and they'll answer. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, people always say like, oh, nobody answers their phone. But I mean, I do this all day, every day for a living and they do. (laughs) That's good to know. I I seem to answer my phone. Sometimes I wish I hadn't, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Bringing the service into a, a practice, I can imagine, adds some disruption too, because as you said, people call back and there there might be someone else at the front desk. There might be, you know, a, a patient who's just, just come in or someone's already on the phone. Um, and then it becomes phone tag. When, pe- when people call you back, are they sort of immediately scheduled? So... It works a few different ways. We are leaving the practice's phone number. So if they're listening to the voicemail, then they're calling the phone number back. I mean, they're calling the practice directly back. And so ideally, they would, that practice would be answering the phone no matter what time it is. But if they don't listen to the voicemail and they're just like, oh, I see this phone number, let me call it back, then if the practice is is paying for the service of inbound call relief, which is a, a service we provide, then yes, it will be answered by us and we'll schedule them. But if they're not, it goes to a general monitored voicemail and they'll still be called back or we'll give it over to the office to call back. It sounds like a, a practice can have an efficient strategy that's sort of a mix of live calls, texting, email reminders, that kind of thing. Um, what works? So like I said, if they want to have the texting and emailing Again, I don't think postcards are effective anymore at all. They were maybe when I started this company a long time ago, but I think that they are just completely out the door. But texting and emailing, things like daily confirmation reminders, pre-appointment reminders, those all can start with a text message because texting is obviously cheaper than having a live person, no matter if you outsource it or if you do it in-house. It's significantly more expensive to have a real person do it. So you want to use the real person for the the work that the texting is not going to get. It's a safety net, basically. Mm-hmm. So the daily confirmations, normally you should be doing two rounds. You should be doing it 48 hours in advance and 24 hours in advance. So maybe you do a text message 48 hours in advance, and then those who don't respond to the text message get a call 24 hours in advance uh, with a a nice ultimatum telling them that the appointment's going to be released. And then a pre-appointment reminder that needs to be done at least twice. Um, I suggest normally six weeks in advance and then again, five or six weeks in advance, and then again, two to three weeks in advance, reminding them that they have this appointment. Mm -hmm. And again, that can be started with a text message and then followed up with a phone call. And same with recalls. So it's definitely, they're complementary methods, definitely. And the ROI of the real person comes in for those, um, for those people who don't respond to the texts or essentially... Right, exactly. So, I mean, we see everything. So we see practices that don't do any text messaging, and I think that that's fine too. Um, But it's just the ones that are more um, 
set on having text messages. They think that that's, you know, the way of the future. Then, yeah, use them for the current recall. And then you're going to see a return on the phone call from the reactivations, the older patients, because they're going to come in. They haven't been in in a year to two years, or I guess it would be a year and a half to as many as three years. They're going to need new glasses. They might need additional testing. And then not only are you counting that initial exam that you're reactivating them for, but now you've just put them back into the pa- the normal patient cycle. So there's also a lifetime value there as well in future appointments. This schedule that you've outlined uh, about when to, to make these calls, that sounds uh, v- very specific. Did you kind of uh, arrive at that uh, over the course of the work that you do? Yeah, I, I did. Um, so there is you know, a system, a, a patient cycle, if you will, that the, the patient should be going through and it's, there's a rhythm to it. So, you know, when the patient comes in, for example, for their exam, let's say they call in and they schedule their exam. And so they need to be confirmed 48 hours before, and that could be by text or phone. And then if they don't respond, I suggest a call 24 hours before. And they also need to be removed. They need to nicely be given an ultimatum that tells them, you know, we're going to, release the appointment if we don't hear back from you, because then you don't obviously don't want to fill your schedule with a bunch of Mm no-shows. So let's say the patient comes in. When they leave next year, you set the pre-appointment or leave for that appointment. You set the pre-appointment for the following year. And I love pre-appointments. I think it's a really, really good idea, but it has to be followed up with correctly. So let's say that you set it for the following year and then Fast forward to the following year, about five or six weeks before the pre-appointment is coming up, you want to call the patient and tell them, um, you know, we scheduled this exam last year when you were in. We just want to make sure the time and date still work for you. If you don't hear back from them, then you call them again anywhere from two to three weeks before the appointment and say the same thing. And then again, you give them a a very nice ultimatum. If we don't hear back from you, we're going to have to release the appointment. And so let's say they confirm the pre-appointment at that point. So then you move them over as a, a regular exam versus a pre-appointed exam on your schedule, assuming you have two, you should have two different um, codes on your appointments. So you would make them a regular exam, and then they would fall back into the daily confirmation. But let's say that they don't confirm the pre-appointment. And so now, you know, fast forward two or three weeks after that, after that last um, attempt to confirm the pre-appointment, now they're becoming overdue. So let's say that they were supposed to come in in July or August. And so when you start getting into the middle of September, you want to call them and then now it starts to become a recall. And so from there, they start to fall into the recall system. It, it sounds like with, with, the, with the pattern that you've established, you know, and with this being sort of your, your key focus of, of your company, um, it's it sounds like you're a proponent obviously of of consistency this this has to be done consistently yes absolutely and and maybe that's one of the key uh elements here that uh, to practices that mm, believe that they can kind of fit recalls in and around the the daily workflow um i think as you mentioned it's the it's kind of the first thing that gets pushed back Yeah, definitely. Because it's the easiest thing to push back because, you know, life will go on tomorrow if you don't call those people. And it's also the number one thing that they kind of want to push back, you know. Right, right. So how do you hire people who like making these phone calls? 
The first thing we look for is the phone voice because that's something that can't be taught. So that's the very first thing we look for. Um, and then there is there are people out there who love being on the phone and they love customer service. There's people, you know, there's young people out of college that want to, you know, learn something new and they're bright and, you know, shiny and ready to go. And then there's people who have been in the industry for years that just love customer service. But when you try to put, you know, an optician on recalls or something like that, and not to say that an optician wouldn't necessarily have those qualities, but it's not they wouldn't have to have it to have that job, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. It's a it's a complementary or a supplementary skill for them. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So they, they are out there. You just have to <laughs> find them. Angela, thanks so much. Uh, this was such an interesting conversation about recalls. I think whether people choose to change their, their recall system or go outsource it or bring in more text, um, the, the key point is is that it's just got to be done a certain way all, all the time. Yeah, definitely. Consistency is key. And uh, people who want to learn more about your services can go to nationalrecalls.com. Thanks so much for sharing your insights. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.